We've been looking this summer at some of the great blessings of being Christian. And there are some wonderful blessings in being in Jesus Christ. And I have, uh, in the course of that, there are a couple of questions that I have intentionally and specifically avoided. Because to deal with these questions is just like, it's just too much. Number one, how is Christianity a superior religious philosophical choice? That's an interesting question. Like a lot of people sitting here would say, well, yeah, I, you know, I've made that clear choice in my life. I've said Christianity has something about it which is compelling and which I, that's where I want to go. I want to be Christian. And there are good reasons for that. Um, but for us to dwell for a long time on the superiority of Christianity, it's like we just can't get it all in in the period that's allotted here. So we intentionally kind of avoided that question and went simply with what is great about being a Christian instead of talking about all the philosophical and religious reasons that make it, in, in my mind anyway, and I think it, for many of you as well, a superior choice. We just kind of had to avoid that question. And then number two, why is Christianity exclusive? So that a Christian cannot be pluralistic, taking something from each faith and forming them into some kind of religious amalgamation. There's a lot of people in our world who love to do that. And I think it's very difficult to do intellectually. I also think it's very difficult to do satisfyingly. I think it's difficult to do in terms of being honest with what Christianity and these other faiths is about. But we can't really deal with that either. It's just too much. Maybe one of these days we'll do this in a class or something over a long period of time, but it just doesn't seem to really fit with the sermon time for us to talk about these things. And in addition to that, the fact is, is that all of you came here for a different reason. Why are you here? Well, not simply to hear about those things. And so we don't have time to do that. And it also isn't really why we're here. You and I serve Jesus Christ. We want to honor him as Lord. We want to be encouraged in our faith. We want to come close to Christ. We want to worship him with other Christian believers. And he can't just focus on these questions and do all of that and get it all done. So we come here to connect with Christ. And I do too. For us to take the Lord's Supper is a different kind of experience than to answer these kinds of questions. Now that said, this morning I do want us to kind of wrestle with some of this at least. And I want to do so by calling your attention to this. Have you seen these? The top one is different than the bottom one. You will notice there are some differences. But it's very possible that you have seen one of these on the back of a car in front of you. These are typical kinds of bumper stickers. For an organization, and it is an organization, you can look this up on the internet, called Coexist, and it's very clear what their point is. Now again, You'll notice there are some differences between the two signs, rather significant differences, actually. The bottom one kind of explains what some of the symbols represent. And so the one on the far left is Islam. That one that has the yin and yang kind of thing is Buddhism. And you can see that shows up in in the two signs in different places. Uh, That could also be used for something like Taoism, by the way. On the bottom, the E represents science as an intellectual system. And in the top one, it represents something more like gender equality or maybe something to say about sexual uh, acceptance. The star of David, of course, is Judaism. Paganism is shown a couple of different ways there. Uh, In both cases, there is that 
pentagram with a circle around it, which represents Wiccan. Uh, I think that's right. And then maybe it's the next one that represents Wiccan. I can't really read that. Those of you who are really familiar with all these symbols could maybe tell me what that that uh, sixth one is on the bottom. And then you can see how that's the Taoism Confucian system uh, symbol on the top. And then the last one represents a cross or Christianity, of course. And notice the caption at the bottom. God is too big to fit in one place. That's interesting. That, that makes me think that the statement is more than just a statement about coexistence. What's coexistence? Coexistence means that two perhaps very different systems or people can be next to each other. They can coexist. But the bottom sentence there, God is too big to fit into one place, is not the same thing as coexistence. That has more to do with commonality. Saying that there is agreement on something, which is interesting. And so I I just think it's fascinating that in our world, this bumper sticker is so influential and means so much to so many people. That these groups should, in fact, get along. Now, I must say that there's something about this that I appreciate. On the one hand, it can be and is a message of unity and peace and love. And I'm actually into that. Like peace and unity and love, I can embrace. In fact, I would say that God himself is very much into the notions of peace and unity and love, even given what we see in the Old Testament. And by the way, if you doubt Uh, what I just said about the Old Testament and the peace and love that can exist there as well. After working on this lesson this week, I decided that on August 24th, I'm going to deal with the topic of violence in the Old Testament. Mike and I kind of looked at this week, uh, looked at this this week. We had one week perhaps that we could do something with. And I thought, I'm going to treat the subject of violence in the Old Testament and how that somehow meshes with our faith and even what I want to say this morning about peace and love. It's a huge question. Uh, When everybody talks about violence within religion, it's, you know, they might talk about what Christians do, but they don't talk about Christ and they're not going to turn to a passage in the New Testament that shows Jesus being violent. But it's pretty easy to do that in the Old Testament. So how does that all fit? So I'm going to talk about that on August 24th. Well, anyway, given all of that, I do see some kind of intellectual problem here. The sticker and the attitude, as I said, seems to indicate not just the idea that these groups could coexist, that maybe intellectually and philosophically they somehow could fit together. And it doesn't seem to me like that really works. I have a problem with that. And so I would, on the one hand, affirm the message of coexistence. On the other hand, and I'll put this up on the screen. I worded this fairly carefully. I thought you might want to see exactly how I have it in my notes. We may all choose to live together peacefully. I think that's possible. And that's good. But that is much different than saying that we all agree about what is ultimately true. And so you and I may affirm different things as being true and yet still be able to exist and coexist with each other. 
And so, is it better to be an American or is it better to be a Canadian? Let me just ask you. What do you think? Tyra, don't shout it out. Is it better to be from British Columbia or is it better to be from Alberta or Saskatchewan? And there, like, there's somebody out there who gone Saskatchewan. Why would you ask the question? Okay. In the same way that if there's some American out there, they're saying, is this a question? And all those Canadians, of course, say, is this a question? And inside Kelly, who is both, I say, there is no question. And so we can, we know, disagree on something fairly important. Is it important to be from Saskatchewan? Well, for, for, for some of you, the rest of us think not so much. But for you, it's important. And yet we can coexist. And it doesn't mean that we can't live in harmony with one another despite our differences. And so there can be intellectual, philosophical, even religious disagreement. And it doesn't necessarily mean social disharmony. And we tend to think that if you disagree with somebody religiously, then you can't live with them. There has to be all of this violence that's going to take place because that's what happens in our world. But social disunity simply doesn't have to be the case despite disagreement on other grounds. And so I disagree with those who think that we can't live together. I think we can live together. I have seen, I have seen Rough Rider fans sitting in the seats, dressed in green, with their faces painted, sitting next to Stampeder fans, and they're wearing red, and their faces are painted red, and the two of them are actually getting along. Now, I know right now you're saying, okay, he's crossed the line. Uh, he's living in a fantasy world. <laughs> but no, this actually happens. And so I think that's possible. Now, one of my problems, by the way, with religious extremists, and, and in fact, that's a bad name. You know, we, we sometimes refer to religious radicals or religious extremists. Well, is there anybody here who doesn't want to be a religious extremist for Christ? Like, is there anybody here who doesn't want to be radically committed to Christianity? So I'm not sure that's really a good way of describing it. But I do have problems with the religious radicals or the religious fundamentalists or whatever we want to say who in, insist on at the same time being violent about their faith. That's what I really don't get. I don't get violent Christians. I don't get violent Muslims. I don't get violent Hindus. And that's where my problem is. They refuse to allow for social harmony. Just because their intellectual systems are incompatible, they think that they have to be incompatible socially as well. And as a Christian, I have to say, I disagree. We can, in fact, decide to live together even though we maybe vehemently disagree with one another. Now, by the way, some of you might be thinking, well, what about, what about all those radical Islamic sex. Like, wh what is the deal with them? Why is it that it seems like whenever we talk about violence religiously in our world, it all has to do with Islam? And I get that. And, and frankly, that really bothers me. And in fact, I would say that as I study this particular subject, I tend to think that there is something within Islam itself that maybe does in fact lead to that more in that particular faith. Yesterday, I was out working on my car in the driveway 
And because of where I lived, there were three young Muslim women that came down my sidewalk. And I'm on my driveway working in the car, reflecting on these things. And these three Muslim women came down the street, and they're covered with their hijabs. As they're walking down the street, they're laughing and talking. And as they went by, because this is just who I am, I, I just stopped them. I said, so ladies, I said, what is the deal with ISIS, with this Islamic State group that is sweeping through northern Iraq and killing all of these people. And as they go, they're killing the Sunnis, they're killing the Shiites, they're killing the Christians, they're killing the religious minorities. What is the deal with them? And I, I didn't know what kind of reaction I would get. You know, they were like 16, 17 years old, something like that. And you know what they said? They said that they had never heard of any of it. No clue. Like when I was talking about ISIS and ISIL and what's going on in northern Iraq, they were totally ignorant. I had to explain the whole thing to them. Now, as I went on and explained to them, I said, you know, there's this Islamic group that's coming down into northern Iraq and they're doing all these, they're committing all these atrocities and the United States has bombed them. And, you know, I'm explaining all this thing, all this to them. The one young lady who was the speaker for the group said, well, you know, she said, first of all, I've never heard of them. But she said, that's not really Islam. That, that was her perspective. She said, that, that really is not Islam. And she said, from my perspective, that has nothing to do with Islam at all. Those people don't share the same faith that I share. I would be as opposed to that as you are. And that's interesting. Now, personally, I think that she's actually ignorant of some things. I do think there are some elements to that faith which cause people who are devoted to Muhammad to end up at a place which is more violent than they should end up. And I think that's a problem. And I think that God wants us to live peaceably with each other's with each other, and that sometimes doesn't happen the way that it should. And I, in fact, I think she's been a little bit hoodwinked by her own faith, because I am convinced of that about Islam. But I found it fascinating that this one, this person who is Islamic, felt absolutely at peace living next door to me, and that we could, in fact, coexist even though we disagree. And there's some sense in which I appreciate that. I appreciated that that's where she's at. I totally disagree with where she's at. In fact, I'm not even sure if she understands her own faith completely. But I think it's fascinating that we could, in fact, agree at least to live next to each other. Now, does that mean that there isn't something really intellectually incompatible about Christianity and other faiths? And does it mean that Christ himself shouldn't be looked at from our perspective with some kind of exclusivity so that we claim Christ exclusively? And I would say we need to claim Christ exclusively. In fact, when I look at these other faiths, I do find problems with them. And that they're not all what I think they need to be in terms of truth when it comes to God having revealed himself in Jesus Christ and telling us what really is real about our world. And so I do have problems with some of them, and there is this intellectual incompatibility between them. 
And so if everything Jesus said about himself is true, then everything Muhammad said about himself is not. They can't be both true. If everything Jesus said about himself is true, then all the claims of Hinduism about the many gods and all the claims of Gautama Buddha and all the claims of Confucius and all the claims of Muhammad are not true. They can't be. There has to be some mutual exclusivity there. And neither is there at the core some mysterious element capable of uniting them all together if they're all just willing to see it. Like I appreciate the girls that came down the street, but there is not some core element of religion that they hold on to and that I hold on to that's going to bring the two of us together. Not if Jesus is who he said he was. And so I may find a way to live peaceably with all these people, but the fact is our philosophical, intellectual, religious claims are not compatible, even if they're socially compatible. Jesus is not both the final and ultimate revelation from God and Muhammad being at the same time the greatest prophet and at the same time the Buddha being the height of spiritual enlightenment. Those three things are not all true. The personal God, Yahweh, who revealed himself in Jesus Christ and lives in us through the Holy Spirit is not the ultimate power and creator of the universe. And at the same time, there is standing behind all things the very impersonal, unifying Brahman of Hinduism or Buddhism. Those things can't mutually coexist. We may live with people, but intellectually we're not going to be the same. And to think that this is the case is wishful thinking. And it's intellectually inconsistent and I think intolerable intellectually for us to think that we can all just bring this together in some kind of amalgam and they're all going to fit together. Now, all of that said, what is it that I think this morning is so compelling about Christianity? It's that Christianity, even at a level beyond Judaism, not only promotes social harmony so that I can live next to my neighbor who thinks differently. But at the core, Christianity possesses an amazing ethical treatment of all of humanity. And it is absolutely centered in love. Like, I appreciate those girls that came by my house and where they're at. But what I want more than anything is for them to appreciate me. And what I mean is, is that I want them to know that because we, or just because we intellectually disagree, doesn't mean that I don't love them to pieces. I want them to understand that I am a friendly guy. And when they walk down the street, I want to say to them, who are you? Let's talk. I hope you can see that I love you and that we actually can get along at some level because I love you and I hope that you love me in return. I want them to see that. I think God would say that to people who don't know him, that he loves them. He wants them to come to understand who he is. And so Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. The Old Testament says the lion will lie down with the lamb. 
Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The meek will inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. There remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, John said a moment ago. God is love. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then these words from 1 John chapter 2. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. And this is my biggest problem with those who would say, I love God. And then they hate their brothers and in some cases, violently attack them. Because God has called us something different. And I love this about my faith. That we are called to love others. We could take this a step further. In appreciation for our common faith is the notion that we love. But having studied various ethical systems and the results they have on society. I do find Christianity to have a superior ethical system consistently practiced, and when it isn't linked with some political system, like it sometimes is, for example, the United States, the ethic of Christianity is the loftiest there is, in my opinion. The, the only one that comes close, and I don't know if you've done any study in religious, religion at all yourself, but the only ethical system that comes close to Christianity, in my opinion, is Buddhism. Like, there are some things about Buddhism that I really appreciate. Like, I really like its emphasis on peace and love. and I, I mean, there's some wonderful things about it. The problem is that it's all humanly based. It comes out of a human being who decided that these are some good things. And human beings make huge mistakes. In fact, if you look at the life of the Buddha himself, you go back and read about Buddhism from their own literature and just ask questions about who the Buddha was. One of the things that he did when he had his religious enlightenment experience is that he left his family. He left his wife and he left his child for seven years, just left them on their own. And when he finally came back to them, his son had been missing him, of course, the whole time and his son tried to build a relationship with him and his, his dad at this point was so into his religious quest that he basically called his son to become a follower of his in terms of the religious quest. But I wouldn't put the Buddha up as a standard for fatherhood and say, here's the model of what a father is supposed to be. So I have some problems with Buddhism itself, even while there's some things that I appreciate. And I am so grateful today for what I think is a much more complete package in terms of Christianity. And by the way, I know about the Crusades. I've read about that. I've read about the Spanish Inquisition. I've even heard it from Monty Python. Okay. 
I have read about Bloody Mary. It's not just a drink. She killed people for her faith. But these are people, Christians, who I would say were not following after Christ. And that's the difference. I can't find anything in Christianity that in any way promotes violence. And that's not true necessarily when I turn to something like Islam. And so I would say that instead Jesus teaches a moral ethic that if all humankind were to follow it, it would put us all in a very good place. I would say the world needs this. And so the girls walked away from me down the street and I started up my driveway and the last words were, as they get 15 or 20 feet away, the one girl turns around and says to me, thank you so much for asking. And I thought, oh, I'm glad I did. I think something happened there in, a, in that moment where there was something mutual that went on. And at least, like she wouldn't think I don't think that I was a Muslim. And so I think something happened where maybe she thought, here is somebody who was gracious enough to ask and treated us well. I hope that's always the case. Let's pray. Lord God, you have blessed us so much with your love. It has rained down upon us. And it's exemplified most perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. Scripture says that you are love. And so we know that we are to have within us love more than anything else. And in a world, Father, where there's so many haters, so much disunity... Help us to coexist with others even as we share with them your love. Help us to love one another even as we love ourselves. Help love to be that perfect final thing that we put on in our lives to exemplify you. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.